This is In The Zone. Woo! Got Charlie Horse and Malay! Woo! Stop the tape! Stop the tape! Ah! Malay, lock it up! Ah! 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 on the In The Zone Network. NTZ, In The Zone, city to city, state to state, worldwide. This is the In The Zone Network. This is it. Welcome back to the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price. Checking in with a pretty full episode of topics today. Uh, we currently sit right now, um, a little, I guess, a little under a month uh, left to go before the NBA season starts. So obviously, exciting times here for NBA fans. Uh, training camp getting ready to start. Teams about to practice. We actually. Get- I think get our first uh, set of preseason games here as soon as next week. Um, so a lot to cover here going into the NBA season. But um, going back to my last episode, we last talked about the People World Cup and how um, Team USA was doing at the time. Uh, at the time of that recording, the team had gone, I believe, three and zero or four and zero through the early pool play. Uh, didn't turn out very well for Team USA. Um, after that recording, they ended up finishing seventh in the FIBA World Cup. Um, Spain taking the crown there, finishing number one, winning the gold medal. Um, team obviously did still qualify for the Olympics for next year, but um, not the finish that they were anticipating going into this World Cup, even with a team that wasn't quite as star-studded as most of their previous years. Um, now, you have, you know, since that loss and, you know, the seventh-place finish, uh, you've seen Coach Greg Popovich and uh, Managing Director Jerry Colangelo both have come out and had their comments on, you know, why people shouldn't um, necessarily feel some type of way or have, you know, down comments to make about this team based on how they played and things like that. Uh, Jerry Colangelo mentioning that, uh, you know, they're going to remember next year as guys go to play um, who was here and who was not uh, in regards to this World Cup team. So, um, some players have since, you know, since those comments being made, have come out and said that um, they do plan to commit to Team USA for the Olympics in Tokyo next year in 2020. Um, Steph Curry, one of the first to come out and say that he wants to do that. I believe this would be Steph's first time on the actual Olympic team, uh, playing for the World Cup in previous years, but not for the Olympics. Uh, Damian Lillard has also come out and said that uh, he plans to play next year uh, as well. So, um, you also had topic that we'll get into a little bit later into the podcast during the media days yesterday uh, players like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Jimmy Butler all um, start having discussions about their plans to play in Tokyo next year as well so um, some of the buzz around the team after this disappointing finish has been um, questioning whether or not the model should change uh, in how they construct the roster for the World Cup as opposed to 
the Olympic team. So, um, you know, you have the question of should you go to just giving the World Cup opportunity to younger guys um, like you saw, you know, the Miles Turners of the world this year, uh, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, those types of players. Should you give those young guys their opportunity at, um, you know, getting into the FIBA competition um, a lot earlier and kind of getting their feet under them so that they can then uh, parlay that into an opportunity to play for the Olympic team, um, you know, years down the line, um, because you did have a lot of guys who are at that superstar status, um, while they did not commit to the World Cup team this year for, you know, whether it's because of changing teams for some guys' cases, um, or even, you know, just wanting to kind of take that step back and not have to worry about going and playing, you know, that high level of basketball before having to go and report to training camp, things like that. Um, you had some guys who just didn't want to do that, um, which is you know, understandable given the time frame, but you also want to make sure that you're putting your best product on the floor of your team USA. So um, I think come next year, you're going to have a lot of participation from your you know, star level guys. It's not going to be a problem um, that they had you know, similar to the one this year. So um, shifting gears back into the you know, full-on league uh, observation here for the NBA. As you, uh, for those of you who may just now be tuning in, you are listening to the Price Check Podcast here on the In The Zone Network. Um, changes to the tampering rules in the NBA. A uh, big topic that has uh, started to circulate here this past week. You've got some teams um, who have, you know, expressed some displeasure amongst, like, league meetings and, and league executives throughout the summer about the tampering rules, uh, specifically as it related to this past summer's free agency, um, because you saw that during what they call the moratorium period, for those of you who aren't very uh, familiar with how the NBA free agency works, uh, moratorium period gives teams what they call kind of a legal tampering period um, to where they can start to discuss deals with players uh, and, you know, start to work out the, you know, specifics of deals that they may want to sign as uh, free agents with the team of their desire. So typically that moratorium period would start at, let's say, I think it's like 12.01 or 11.59. They did move that up to, I think, 6 p.m. Eastern time this year. Um, But what you saw, instead of teams starting to negotiate at that time, you started to see deals being announced at that start of that moratorium period. So a lot of teams expressed some displeasure about that um, and not really being a fan of what they thought was, you know, tampering just being made legal in some cases and teams being able to negotiate at whatever times or whatever periods that they wanted to. Um, So just to kind of run down some of the changes to the tampering rules here that the NBA announced uh, in a memo that got sent out to the teams yesterday, um, players asking another player to demand a trade from his current team will now be looked at as a tampering violation. You would think that this would be something that they would have already been on the lookout for, but I guess the NBA not so uh, not so keen to that. But this would definitely apply to a situation like we saw with the Clippers this summer where um, Kawhi Leonard sits down with Paul George and says, hey, I'm going to the Clippers. I want you to come along with me, force your way out of Oklahoma City. And again, that might not be the exact words or the exact statement that was said in their discussion, but that's kind of the gist of the conversation, kind of the gist of why this rule is being put into place. So uh, one change that works in favor of teams now, um, isolated comments praising another player is no longer a violation. So um, 
the example that I can kind of think of in this case is last season. I believe Magic Johnson got fined uh, for making comments about Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks League MVP. Um, really not commenting on anything about how he would love to have him on the Lakers roster or anything like that. Uh, the comments were simply along the lines of uh, him being a really special player and hoping that he could potentially lead, uh, hoping that Giannis, I should say, could lead the Milwaukee Bucks to a championship down the line. Um, so that is no longer going to be a violation of tampering rules because, let's be honest, it's not something that you know Magic or any other GM um, or executive in the league would have ill intentions behind. It's just simply praising the player that is doing well at that time. So um, the league is also going to five random uh, audits throughout the season to check for tampering. However, they are not checking phones and computers of. Uh, well, I'm sorry, not confiscating phones and computers from teams. I feel like that's a little bit counterintuitive, but uh, handle your business NBA how you need to. So um, there's also a new hotline that has been created for anonymous reporting of potential violations for um, the you know NBA teams or executives of teams out there that want to go and get the Takashi 69 on. They can go ahead and go about that the way that they want to. Um, that's probably going to be something that gets used um, not quite as often as what people might think in hearing about this anonymous hotline. Um, personally, I don't think that there's quite that many uh, examples or instances of tampering that really happen behind the scenes that um, you know, people would call in and report in a way to try to get these teams thrown under the bus. So, um, now as all of these you know, rules are being changed and being announced, we also saw uh, the GM, uh, John Hurst, I believe is his name, of the Milwaukee Bucks get fined for speaking publicly on Giannis's Supermax offer that they plan to offer him next season. So um, GM of the Bucks comes out and publicly states that, hey, we want to make sure that we offer Giannis a, a, a Supermax offer when we get the time to. That's a plan that we have in place right now. That's something that the entire world could probably take a guess at. Um, but they were fined for tampering violation, $50,000 in that case. So the um, question now becomes, you know, how can you tamper with somebody who is currently on your roster? Um, should that be allowed? Should that be something that, you know, you get fined for? Personally, I don't think what he said is, you know, anything short of common knowledge. Um, nobody within that organization or outside of that organization would even look at that and say, okay, yeah, this is something that is egregious or he needs to be penalized for. He's simply commenting on the situation of his roster uh, and a player on his roster that he hopes to you know, secure their long term. So um, still some things that have to be figured out. Um, now, another thing kind of going back to the player-to-player player contact in this situation, um, Players can still meet with other players on other teams. They just cannot simply go to them and demand for them to tr beat, or I should say, ask for them to demand a trade from their current team. Um, that's something that I feel like teams are probably going to still find a way to get around the rules on. Um, teams are supposedly not allowed to be able to tell a player to go have a conversation with another player about wanting to leave or wanting to join them on a specific team. Uh, but we know that's probably going to happen. It's also probably not going to be something 
that NBA executives can uh, prove, or I should say league officials can prove. So uh, that's going to be something that we continue to monitor and look into as the season progresses and, you know, potential trades and free agency uh, moves, not only this year, but, you know, in years coming, uh, seeing how that plays into, you know, how those situations turn out. So um, yesterday we also saw NBA Media Day happen. So we had all the you know, players for the different teams addressing the media for the first time and kind of talking about expectations of what they may see happening, um, you know, this upcoming basketball season. Now, first Media Day appearance that I want to comment on, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets had a lot to say yesterday of course a lot of the questions that he was going to face initially were you know simply why you decided to leave Boston why you did not um, you know feel like this worked out Um, and part of what he said and and, you know kind of the sad part of it and and taking the basketball aspect away is you know he did lose his grandfather during um, basketball season last year Um, and that was something that he struggled to cope with somebody that was very close to him uh, somebody that he had you know a very you know solid relationship with that he you know he's never been in or he said at least that he's never been in a position to lose somebody that close to him Uh, so kind of navigating that after the fact is something that um, he struggled with and you know for those of us who have lost loved ones you know grieving for everybody does look different so um got to respect the man on that um he did say that you know while he said at the beginning of last year you know boston i would love to resign here if you'll have me um he was in a much different uh, personal space and mental space at that time when he said it versus when he actually had to make a decision um now one part of his pressure that i did find very interesting even beyond that was that uh, he started to go into the team dynamic of things and how Everybody had individual goals as members of the Boston Celtics, but none of them seemed to be going in the same direction as the team goal. Um, He didn't really elaborate a whole lot on that, but what I'm taking from that is that, you know, Kyrie, let's say he wants to win a championship, but is still trying to navigate that space of being leader guy on a championship team. Um, you had young guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who, you know, were coming off the season before being the focal points of the offense, getting the ball, making sure that they're putting the team in a position to succeed, having to scale back a little bit. Um, Gordon Hayward coming off of a very horrific injury, uh, still trying to get his footing under him, uh, both figuratively and literally uh, in terms of, you know, not only learning how to play with the new team, but just, you know, learning to play the game of basketball again um, after injury that he thought could, you know, potentially, you know, hurt his career. So, a lot going on there, but it was very interesting to me that Kyrie kind of pointed to everybody having a little bit of a different direction that they wanted to go in individually uh, that started to cause the risk uh, that we saw really hurt their chances in winning the championship towards the end of last season. So, um, he is now in Brooklyn. Uh, joining him in Brooklyn, as we know, Kevin Durant. Uh, Kyrie had a, a, you know, an opinion on Kevin Durant and him being ready or, re- I guess, not being ready for the NBA Finals last year, uh, saying that you know everybody could tell that it was just not a situation where Kevin Durant was ready to play at that time for those types of stakes. Now, something that I agree with, uh, Kevin didn't look as ready to come back when he was out there. Um, very you know sad for him that he had to go out and re-injure himself for that to be a point that was proven but um, I, I 
like at, at least that Kyrie is willing to kind of take that step and you know, take up for his teammate. Um, that's something that I don't think he would have done last year. Uh, so just a little bit of a growth point for me. Um, Kyrie, excited to see what they'll do in uh, Brooklyn this year. <clears throat> you know, even without Kevin Durant, um, just trying to navigate the East and, and get through uh, some of the teams that they're going to have to play. But um, on the same topic with Kevin Durant, he also spoke yesterday at that same press conference during media day. Of course, the topic is, hey, why did you decide to leave the Golden State Warriors having, you know, come off of, you know, finals appearances every year since, you know, you go there? Um, how do you leave a team like that and what does that mean to him? Um, and part of you know, his reasoning behind wanting to leave was just simply wanting a change of scenery and wanting to be on a new team. Um, and he said that, you know, just wanted to play for a new team and simply went and did that. Um, and for the first time in a while, started to think about himself in, in that situation as opposed to, um, like, his legacy or, you know, what other people may think of him. So, um, you know, long roads to recovery for him. They have gone ahead and uh, officially ruled that he is going to miss uh, the entire season there in Brooklyn. But, um, you know, time to see what he comes back as off of that Achilles injury next year. And really seeing how he's able to transform his game to where that injury does not uh, affect him long term. So, um, another team that uh, had a pretty, I guess, interesting media day, you had the Houston Rockets, where we got a chance to see Russell Westbrook in his new uniform. Um, you know, Russ says him and Harden uh, playing together will be scary for other teams. Definitely something that I'm coming around on. I mentioned this in a couple uh, podcasts ago that my initial reaction to Russ getting traded to the Rockets, um, I didn't know how him and James Harden would play together. They played together in Oklahoma City and like those that, you know, out there, but that's more than, you know, seven, eight years ago. These are two totally different players. Now, Russell Westbrook having won himself an MVP award, uh, James Harden also having an MVP award. Um, and really just being two players that their teams have had to rely on pretty heavily as individuals. Um, now, how does that look when those two players have to play together? Um, I think Russell Westbrook is going to be a very obvious upgrade over uh, Chris Paul and what he was able to bring to the table. I still don't know what that means for them in terms of depth and their ability to um, contend in the Western Conference and contend for an NBA championship, but I am excited to see exactly how that looks now uh, versus what it looked like in Oklahoma City. So, um, also, another quick note for me today, we had Victor Oladipo saying yesterday that he believes that Indiana Pacers are the best team in the East. Um, to that, I simply say, no, <laughs> I don't believe so. Uh, I think at best for them, best case scenario this year is that um, they finished probably third behind the Bucks and the 76ers. I think those two teams just have just a little bit more firepower, um, especially on the offensive side of things than what the Indiana Pacers do. But the Pacers are going to be a very formidable team um, and a team that can play defense. We saw Miles Turner last year lead the league in blocks. Um, the X factor, to be quite honest, is Oladipo. He doesn't know right now when he's going to be able to return from injury, a uh, very scary injury that he suffered last year. So, try, you know, trying to see how his return impacts that team. They are still going to be very competitive. They showed that they can compete last year without him. Um, they've added Malcolm Brogdon to that team, Jeremy Lamb. Um, you know, so they've got a very well put together roster. Um, just about whether or not you know 
his injury and the time frame that he's out, which we still don't know, uh, how that affects them going into the season. So, um, last but not least, could not talk about media day without mentioning my beloved Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, LeBron James, of course, um, you know, making a, a pretty significant statement when asked, uh, you know, who he feels like he won the offseason. He feels like Staples Center won. You know, you get Kawhi Leonard uh, and Paul George in Clippers uniforms and being able to see them on one night. You get LeBron and AD together, um, you know, in Staples Center being able to play together for the Lakers. So, going to be an exciting season all around in that building. Um, also, of note, mentioning that the offense definitely has to be able to run through Anthony Davis this year. I thought that was pretty significant because that's really the first time where we heard him just come out and say that, you know, somebody else has to kind of take the keys a little bit, uh, you know, on offense in order for the team to be successful. Um, and his quote was, you know, if we don't have if we don't have the offense running through Anthony, you know, why is he here? Um, it's a statement that I agree with. You know, I think that in order for the Lakers to really go out and win and be the, the juggernaut that they want to try to be, um, the ball has to be in Anthony Davis' hands on offense, but we also have to, um, you know, give – LeBron James an opportunity to be able to pick his spots as well uh, so that as you get into the playoffs and potentially trying to make a championship run you have him operating at the highest level possible while Anthony Davis also has the confidence to be able to go and do his thing on the court so um, exciting season to look forward to all around from um, a lot of the teams that we mentioned as well as some of the teams that we have not mentioned um, you know again as we get into the preseason action it's going to be real interesting to me to see how some of these new pieces fit um, how some of these new you know, teams start to work in jail together um, because you have a lot of guys who have switched teams now and a lot of teams who have remade their rosters um, and given you know themselves an opportunity to contend for uh, playoff runs and championships and things like that and you have a very very wide open league this year uh, for the first time in a very long time so exciting NBA season to look forward to um, now before we go I also want to touch on uh, ESPN's most recent NBA mock draft for 2020 is you know obviously very early in, uh, in the game here uh, as it pertains to mock drafts and things like that but LaMelo Ball is somebody that is starting to get a whole lot of buzz in terms of his recent play in the NBL in Australia. Um, you know, he's kind of avoided the one-and-done route, so to speak, a little bit um, when it comes to going to college, not taking the route that his brother lines up to, went to play professionally overseas, and that's actually gotten the attention of a lot of NBA executives and front office um, you know, individuals. So, um Right now, in that mock draft, he is projected to go third in next year's draft uh, behind James Wiseman and, I believe, Anthony Edwards. Um, James Wiseman going to Memphis this year, Anthony Edwards playing at Georgia. So, um, I think that is very, very uh, interesting, something to keep an eye out on because Lamelo is a player that, kind of like his brother, um, you know, long, athletic, you know, bigger point guard, uh, who can do a number of different things on the court, and he's you know kind of transformed what we thought of him uh, going you know from his days at Chino Hills in high school uh, to now and being a professional basketball player in Australia. Um, he's you know added some size to you know to his body um, and started to fill out a little bit. He's putting up great numbers. I, I mean, it looks like I think maybe last week or sometime. Um, put up 19 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists against the defending champs in that uh, National Basketball League in Australia. Uh, the 
Perth Wildcats. So um, he's you know starting to generate some buzz, and there's some talk that he could even potentially be the number one pick in the draft. So to think about you know Lamelo and you know not even just the Ball brothers all together and kind of where this thing was a year or two years ago um, and where he could potentially be next year, I think that's something that is, is amazing for him. Um, he's kind of keeping Lavar out of things, which you know feel how you feel about Lavar. He has been very outspoken about his. Um, children and his thought that all of his kids should be NBA players um, but he has, LaMelo has started to keep LeVar kind of in the distance a little bit, uh, notably not wearing any uh, big ball of brand gear while over in Australia um, starting to negotiate his own shoe deal uh, going into the draft next year so that's something that I'm also keeping my eye on as we get into the basketball season getting to the swing of things, starting to really see that buzz generate around LaMelo because I do think that he is uh, or at least has the potential to be a special player. Um, and worst case scenario right now, a 6'6", 6'7", point guard that'll probably be you know 19 years old by the time the draft rolls around um, that you can draft and really try to develop and get the most out of. So, um, as I mentioned, a number of different storylines to keep an eye out for going into the NBA season. We'll definitely be back with you multiple times here before the season gets started, uh, keeping this countdown rolling going into the month of October. Um, you know, playing a couple uh, interviews here soon as well to get a few special guests added to the podcast. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Subscribe wherever you can and listen to uh, your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podomatic, Anchor, uh, all of the different platforms out there. Uh, definitely, you know, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the network, definitely give us some listens. Um, thank you to my uh, wonderful producer, the best producer in the world, Arlington A. Train Lane, here doing everything behind the scenes for us. Um, until next time, this is your host of the Price Check Podcast, Josh Price. Check it out.